You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 80, and we are wrapping up our month of John Favreau movies with probably one of my favorite John Favreau movies, if not. Is it yours, too? I think it's probably my favorite John yeah. Favreau movie. Yeah, yeah. So th- we're going to talk about the 2014 written and directed by John Favreau movie called Chef. He also it's, stars in it. Yes, it stars John Favreau as Carl, John Leguizamo, Bobby Cannavale, MJ Anthony, Sofia Vergara, Luke, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr., Oliver Platt, Amy Sedaris, Russell Peters. I mean, a star-studded guest. Yeah. <laughs> did you mention Dustin Hoffman? I that did. Was a big get. Like, I did. How, how did Favreau get Hoffman? I know. That's in my, my acting category on my notes is... Dustin Hoffman. Wow. Wow. Let's see. We've got some fun filming locations in Austin, Texas. They were at Guerrero's Taco Bar and Franklin's Barbecue. They were at the French Quarter in New Orleans. In Miami, Florida, they filmed at the Versailles Restaurant and Fontainebleau Hotel. You know, I'm really glad that they didn't double for the French Quarter with like Vancouver, British Columbia. That would have just made me sad. Absolutely. No, they actually went to the Café du Monde, which you must go to. Everyone, I think that's kind of a given if you're in New Orleans. They filmed in and around Venice, California, the food truck haven in LA, the Bring Pub, Hancock Park in LA, Hatfields. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Hmm. They filmed there. We have Hatfields in this state. So the synopsis for this film is a head chef quits his restaurant job and buys a food truck in an effort to reclaim his creative promise while piecing back together his estranged family. And I have a note here from the trivia from IMDb, which also gave me that synopsis, that a lot of critics have viewed this film as an allegory to John Favreau's career as a director going back to his independent roots, the film Swingers that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and allowing him to kind of make his own choices and and not working under the close eye of a demanding studio, specifically Marvel. And this came after his comic book film adaptation of Cowboys and Aliens, which in movie parlance was considered a box office failure. But Favreau has denied this comparison. And I would tend to agree with that because I I think he just kind of got wrapped up in the whole Roy Choi. Well, I think he met Roy on set. For right, this part movie? of filming, yeah. My guess is he yeah, liked the story, but maybe he also liked food. And, and why, why not make a movie about cooking? You get all the great food. I agree. I completely agree. The tagline for this film is, starting from scratch never tasted so good. See how they did that? That was clever because you make a, a thing from scratch, but starting from scratch is like starting over. Boy, that was some clever tagline writing. Mm-hmm. And if you love this movie, Favreau did his own cooking and he was trained by the aforementioned food truck chef Roy Choi, who has a famous food truck down in LA called Koji. Kogi. Kogi. And it's a fusion of... Korean yes. barbecue and tacos, I believe. Yes. I start, I, <laughs> yes. I'm not going to explain. And 
the reason I set all of that up is Roy agreed to help John, but he put Favreau through an intensive week of French culinary schooling where he learned his knife skills and how to make sauces. Roy brought him into the kitchen so that he could learn how to cook like the other line chefs. And he made him do a bunch of mundane tasks like prepping a case of chives, a case of onions, peel two cases of avocados just to see how when you start out in the kitchen, you have to do a bunch of menial tasks over and over and over and over. And in a separate interview, Roy talks about that is the essence of being a chef is being able to do mundane and repetitive tasks without losing your focus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And be in a kind of a pressurized environment. So Mike, kick us off with the pickup line for the film Chef. It was either walk-in or walking. I couldn't really understand what they said very well. Walk-in makes some sense, but they didn't go into the walk-in cooler, so I don't know. I took it as somebody came in carrying a... Was that the pig? Was that the whole pig? Either that or or produce from the market. I, yeah. I don't remember. It looked like a big hunk of meat, somebody. And I took it as John was yelling over his shoulder, put it in the walk-in. And yeah. a lot of restaurants have like a walk-in freezer or... Yeah. So that's how I took it. All right. Walk in. It is. So we already mentioned Dustin Hoffman. I love Amy Sedaris as the publicist in this film. And under the acting portion of my notes, I said that some of the road trip scenes in New Orleans and Austin seem to have an improvisational quality between John and the actor portraying his son, Percy. That's MJ Anthony. Yeah, I do think that the actor who played his son did a pretty good job, but he hasn't done a lot since, I don't think. Well, so. he was in Jungle Book. Ah, oh, so Favreau I, liked him. And I, Yeah, Favreau, I think, liked him because I think he was not only in Jungle Book, but I think he was a voice in The Lion King. Hmm. Simba. And I love the cinematography. One of the things that I read, or I think I saw this on a behind the scenes or an interview with Favreau, he said that since so much of cooking is all the different senses, the, the colors and the smells and the heat on your mouth, but a lot of that he couldn't, you know, let the audience, like they can't smell the food. And so he heightened up the look of it and like with those beautiful close-ups of the food and stuff and then later in my sound section he talked about how you know he really captured like the sizzle and the sound of the knife going through the food and you know hitting the pan and all those kind of sounds to try to evoke the audience to be enjoying the food while they're watching it. I also have a note that I enjoyed the cinematography of Kramer Morgenthau, I think is the name I got. However, I do want to ask a little bit about the lighting, because both in the kitchen at the first part of the movie, where mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman is the owner, as well as in Carl's apartment or wherever he lives, mm-hmm. it's like very dramatic lighting. So it's entirely dark, except for like one incandescent spot in one location. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, that is not how kitchens are professionally. Like, they have really gross fluorescent lighting, maybe, but they're pretty well lit, so you don't cut a finger off. So, I thought that was interesting. It is interesting, but I've seen that before. In fact, I have a movie where there's a scene where the character is making a very important pie. And in my mind, that's kind of what I saw, where, like, everything was dark 
except for, because it was kind of like at night, this person went into the kitchen to cook and instead of turning on the light, just turned on almost like a source light that was just right above and like that incandescent warm right. coloring. So it must either be, because in my head, that's how I saw that scene. So either we do it a lot when we're trying to get people to... <laughs> well, it, it is dramatic. Mm-hmm. It is. So for the writing for this film, a very good show don't tell at the very beginning because we see him pick up his boy and you can tell he has affection for his son. It's not like, I gotta go get the kid. You know, he, but he's distracted. He's a dad who isn't, and we've all been in this position. You're not a hundred percent fully present sometimes when you're with your kids. And so, cause you've got, you know, you're trying to pay the bills, you got to keep the lights on. And he's trying, he has a big reviewer coming in. And so his, his attention is somewhere else. And that is evident through some of the writing in the beginning when he's with his kid and he takes him to the like farmer's market. It was a little bit, in retrospect, from a writing perspective, it kind of just bumped me that Sophia Vergara, who plays his ex-wife, mm-hmm. appears to have quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Now, later in the film, her first husband is played by an Iron Man, <laughs> and he appears to have a ton of money. T- so, presumably, she got half in the divorce or something. Yeah. So, she's doing pretty well. It doesn't explain why, then, he, he would that Carl wouldn't just say, hey, I, I've got this big reviewer coming in, so could you take Junior today? Because every time we see the wife, she's not doing anything. It's not like she's got a, a job where she can't go pick up the kid. Every time there's an interaction between Carl and his ex-wife, it's at her house and she's d- directing her domestic servants. So it seemed like, I mean, it was good to show that he was distracted and he wasn't really listening to his kid, but I couldn't quite figure out why he would be in that position in the first place. Well, I don't, I think... He thought he could do both. It felt like, oh, it's my time to have the kid. I do like the kid. I love the kid. I want to see him. I want him to hang out with me. But... Okay. So is it because he's so narcissistic that everything revolves around him? So he just naturally thought, well, I'll pick up the kid and then I'll do my thing because my thing is the only thing that matters. Well, I don't even, <laughs> think, I don't even think he has to be that narcissistic. I think it's just... I mean, I've had moments where... I just am not 100% fully present because I'm trying, you know, I'm planning a job that's coming up or, you know, the next day I've got like so many different errands to run and your kid's talking to you, even my grown adult children. And all of a sudden I'll realize like, oh, I'm not here. I'm somewhere else. And I don't think that makes me a bad person or narcissistic. I just think it's the reality of sometimes when you're juggling a lot and you have a lot on your plate. So I don't think we have to make Carl bad. I just think, I mean, he was in his own head though, and he wasn't listening to anybody. I think, I don't, I don't know if that's narcissism, but he, there's a, a line where he doesn't listen to his kid, but then Dustin Hoffman comes in and tries to give him advice and, and he didn't listen to him either. In fact, the only person he appears to listen to in the first like half or two thirds of the film is Scarlett Johansson. Right. <laughs> so you know, the lesson we learned is hire a pretty girl to deliver your message. Right. The other thing that I thought was good is there's a conflict whether to do his own creative menu or the menu that people expect. And so, of course, being an, a creative, he doesn't want to just keep doing the same thing. He wants to, you know, invent new things. And so he has an argument with Justin Hoffman's character and he gives in and says, OK, fine, we're going to do the food that everybody expects us to see us to serve. So he's telling the kitchen staff. And I thought it was great because John Leguizamo's character and Bobby Cannavale and 
and Scarlett Johansson, all of their faces just like slowly fall. It's not super obvious. It's just really, really subtle. It's why they're all such good actors. And and I thought it was a good way to show that, oh, even they realize that he is selling out. He's not being adventurous. He's not being, you know, he's, we're going to go the safe route. And they all looked as disappointed as he is to tell them what foods they're going to be serving. Except that Dustin Hoffman's character, I wish I made a note of the name Max or something like that. Um, yeah, he says in the in one of their arguments. I have Riva. Yeah, maybe that's the name of the, the, the character. It says, not one person ordered your sweetbreads. So I think it's important to realize that the character of Carl is unsuccessful at this point in his career, not just because no, like he's not making you know the the great things that he did in Miami, but also because he's he's like he's just missed everything, right? Mm-hmm. So presumably, and I didn't catch this the first couple times you watched this film, he 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 got a start in Miami. So the Oliver Platt at a food truck character said, oh, I don't know if it's a food truck or a restaurant, but I do know that the 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 review the the skating review says something like you know the promise that he showed in Miami mm-hmm. so I, I didn't catch it the first time I just thought they were going back to see uh, Sophie Vergara's father but also the fact that you know he was making in the past he had made this sweetbreads this you know avant-garde this thing that he was trying to fill that potential but nobody wanted it and so that to me was kind of subtle because it showed that that he had already even before he kind of started making the lava chocolate lava cake he'd already lost his mojo he lost his edge mm-hmm. so he was really already in a mess even before the bad review Mm -hmm. yeah no you're right i don't think i think i agree with you i thought they were just going back there because that's where she was from and that's where her father was i didn't realize in fact i had a note that is this set in miami and then i was like oh no it's it starts out in la and then they just go back to miami and then drive out and it's it's also great because you mentioned the drive out. It sets up a road trip. I know it's great. Right? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So I I yeah I love road trip movies. Yeah, and the kid throughout the whole movie, you see all he wants. Like the kid's totally fine, kind of just hanging out with dad, and and yes. he's fine going to the farmers market. Like he doesn't. There's a scene where. Favreau says some Carl says something I think it's his his ex-wife Sophia Vergara and he goes don't worry I'll make it up to him and it's like cut to him on a roller coaster with the kid for like literally two or three seconds just long enough for us to kind of hear the crowd at an amusement park and hear the roller coaster and then cut to them in a movie theater which there's apparently some it's blasters from Iron Man and there's something in the background <laughs> that so it's kind of funny a little nod to Iron Man and you just see the the lights of the movie on their faces and it's obvious that they're in a movie theater like once again two or three seconds long enough for us to know they're watching a movie and then back in front of the kid's house Favreau screeches up to a halt and he goes okay I gotta drop you off because I gotta go work on recipes and so I just thought like such a you know the kid doesn't need all of that fanfare the amusement park and the and there's even a sweet scene later where i think are they bonding over was it it wasn't twitter but i thought there was something else and the kid goes this is all i want i just want to hang I out i think with it you. was it was setting up his twitter account and the, yeah the kid was pretty direct about i you know we're doing a thing uh, like we're hanging out and so favor was like well we were doing things before when you were carrying all the rutabagas for my <laughs> restaurant and right. the kid's like no 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 like something where we're doing together <laughs> Yeah. So then for editing, I really enjoyed, there's a scene where, so Oliver Platt gives him the really bad review and then he 
asks him to come back. Give me a second chance. And then Dustin Hoffman asks him something and he gets pissed and he quits. And so... Yeah, there's this, this is good. There's this great cross-cutting between basically Favreau goes home and man, I would have just probably gone home and, you know had a drink and just gone to bed, you know, drown my sorrows. But nope, he's going to go home and he's going to cook almost like the meal he would have cooked had he been in the restaurant. And so there's this great cross cutting from once again, him in the dark apartment with the single light <laughs> right. shining down on the food <laughs> and to, to the restaurant and how they serve Oliver Platt all of the same food. And here he, you know, he kind of said, come to the back to the restaurant. I'll show you what I was going to feed you then the night, the first night. And so Oliver's like confused because he's, wait, this is all the food you guys gave me last time. Why are you giving it to me again? I thought I was going to get something new. Right. And I thought that was interesting setup, but good acting from ScarJo in that her job is to deliver that news. Right. And she's kind of dancing around it. And then Dustin Hoffman's character comes up and he says something like, oh, he was called away indefinitely or, or something. But yes, I loved how they cut back and forth between Oliver Platt's character being served the same old stuff that he had no interest in mm-hmm. and Carl making the new menu at home. I thought that was really well done. Right. I should have remembered Oliver Platt's character is named Michael Ramsey. And in the trivia, which I don't think I carried forward to my notes, but they said it's, I can't remember, it's not Michael Simon because I would have remembered, but there was another, a famous chef named Michael and then Ramsey is Gordon Ramsey. And so that's why they made Oliver Platt's character's name Michael Ramsey. Fascinating. A little tri- tidbit of trivia for you. Right, yeah, yeah. You were talking about the road trip scenes and... I caught this bit of trivia early enough that we were able to look in some of the scenes as they were just showing them traveling across the road or across the country. They used stock footage and digitally implanted the food truck kind of going through. And the couple scenes we saw, it was actually pretty well done because I never caught it the first couple times we saw this. But speaking of the road trip, I did earlier today while thinking about our podcast, think about something that, that really... I'm not sure what to do with it. There's a whole scene that they shot, multiple shots, of putting cornstarch down your pants. <laughs> and I have never heard of this before. Yeah. I, I have heard certain podcast Are you hosts. You want to try it? No. <laughs> So all I can think is this is people who maybe they were boxers or no underpants at all. Like, I, I don't even know wh- what they're going on, but it was so awkward. I didn't understand why it was in the movie. Because... Like, what did it serve? Well, it's just showing how it gets hot in the kitchen and certain parts of your body get hot. And to kind of cool them down and dry them up, they use some cornstarch. Okay, but there's like a 10-year-old boy in the scene. It just, it it's it's so odd to me. I, well, I, he has that same body part. He does, but do we really want the viewer to start thinking about children's undercarriage? <laughs> I do not. You do not. <laughs> so I thought it was a, a cute moment of like kind of like some bonding between the three males and i think for percy it would have made him feel like i'm one of the guys like i'm not just you know the kid you know they're doing this and i gotta do this too i just thought it was kind of like a rite of passage kind of of thing i felt like when carl bought him his first knife that to me was oh more moving yeah well that was a great scene too Yeah, yeah 
so some of the tropes of a, a chef is a good knife, but also they seem to have a lot of tattoos. Right. And so all of Favreau's tattoos were not real. Okay, that was on, I was going to ask that question. Yeah. Oftentimes they get tattoos as a way of demonstrating their commitment for cooking as a craft. So Favreau had some temporary tattoos applied for the sake of authenticity. So if I ever make a film where a character has tattoos, I totally want makeup to give me one of those because they looked really good. They look good. Yeah. I like the El Jefe on his knuckles, kind of like the right. good and evil from, now that movie slipped my mind. The Spike Lee movie, the really famous one. Do the Right Thing? Yeah. I was actually thinking, I thought Jake and Elwood in Blues Brothers had something on their on yep. their fingers. We were watching something else, but maybe it was, oh no, it was, I can't remember, it was some stupid reality show. I think somebody had something on their knuckles. But th- that's in my category under costumes, and I had another costume question, which is, who chose the frames for Carl? Were those actual John's real glasses, or did somebody pick them out? Why? Uh, I think I'm not a fan, but... Uh, they just, they're that classic 50s black rim. Okay, so I guess with his cars, and maybe showing that he's kind of like a vintage guy. Yeah. It, almost like you would wear it to a bar that played Big Bad Voodoo Daddy music. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got it now. <laughs> Under sound, like I said before, I love the cut of the grilled cheese sandwich. You really get the crispness of the bread, and then when they're doing the whole Twitter scene, I really kind of dug the bird whistle whenever he sent a tweet yeah, they did have a fun tweet sound for that. I thought that was cool. So under props, yeah. there's a scene where there's a hotel pen, which has something super gross in it, and Carl and Percy get into a little argument. And we both, I think we had a pause here, we both <laughs> said the same exact thing, which is props got to make that grossness. Whatever yeah. it was, they got to go make it. It was like such a congealed, I can't even, I don't I hesitate, I shudder to think what that was. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure some kind of like coffee gelatin, but then- Actually, with yeah. some chunks in it. <laughs> like Pendulette's coffee jello. Yeah, because uh, it was a brown congealed, uh, very gross. It was pretty <laughs> gross. So good job to the props, props. people. They yeah. really sold that one. They sold that it was a gross, gross thing. All right, anything else I missed that you want to recap before we head into our standard features at the end of the podcast? I think we're good. Okay. Was there any head trauma? I, I, I do have under head trauma, I said a couple of lava cakes Paid the ultimate price. (laughs) So I think the heads were fine, but the cakes were not. (laughs) How about a smoochie? Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. Did we get, we have a a romance between, let's see, what was ScarJo's character in? uh, Molly is the character. Molly. So early on, does he get a smoochie with Molly? I didn't make note of it. So superfan RJ may hold me to task on that, but I didn't, I don't recall a smoochie between Carl and Molly. Okay. And then at the end, spoiler, him and Sophia get back together again and we even have a wedding. And so do we get the, again, you may kiss the bride smoochie? I was distracted by everything else. I'm really falling down on my smoochie count here. I feel like we probably, I mean, I know they were dancing, so I don't. Yeah. So that's the thing is. I think if it happen, if it's not like a close-up, I, I, I frequently am distracted by other things. So apologies to our listeners. I'll get better. Okay. 
how about a driving review? I mean, you you said it. It's a road trip. It is a road trip. So I, I had a few notes in here. So first of all, when we see Bobby Cannavale's character, I think his name is Tony, has a 74 BMW 2002 that he sleeps in. Mm-hmm. But that's to show us that he's cool and hip. That's like a hipster car. Mm-hmm. But then Favreau drives a 78 Mercedes-Benz 450 SEL four-door. And that and that car is really well-maintained. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, you know, a car that's 35 years old. And, and so that says to me that he's got some coin. He's doing fairly well as a, rest, as a chef mm-hmm. if he has that vehicle. And again, it kind of matches with the glasses. He's a little bit more retro. One of the main characters is his food truck, which according to the internet is a 1982 Grumman Olsen Curbmaster. Didn't know that. And here's my question. Maybe somebody can, can call in one of our listeners. Is Grumman still in business? So they were an aircraft manufacturer, too. And a lot of these food trucks were Grumman. I presume they use the same skills at, like, aluminum. And I, I just don't know. Like, where do you get your food trucks anymore? Are they, like, cars in Cuba where you, you, you get the ones from the 50s and you just repair them, right? But speaking of repair, when it first rolls up, the front right is wobbling insanely. I don't even know how they got it to do that, let alone why would a vehicle that you purchased, that that, that wheel looks like it's, it's a millisecond from falling off. <laughs> right. Like, no one would even buy that vehicle. But okay, it makes for a funny sight gag. It's like Mater in cars, right? Right. What I don't really understand is why we had the ubiquitous grinder scene. So when they're refurbishing it, Carl has a circular grinder inside, and he's grinding something on the inside of the cab. It makes for those great sparks that everybody loves in the, the garage sequence, but I, it didn't make any sense to me. I was just going to say that. I, you said it yourself as we were watching the movie. Sparks. Yeah. Yeah. They got to put them in there. Yeah. That's the only reason it's in there. Okay. All right. And my last little bit, well, I thought it was kind of funny. This is a, a little bit of a nod maybe from an Angelino, but there's a shot where the food truck is going on a one lane overpass and there's like a dozen cars stacked up behind it because presumably it's driving too damn slow. And I will say anybody who has driven behind a food truck knows this. Right. Presumably they have hot oil in the fryers, but they drive really slow. They're com- they compete with people who have horse trailers for driving really slow. <laughs> Well, that was a good driving review. Thank you. So we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. All righty. So this film, which came out in 2014, had a budget of $11 million, which really for Hollywood isn't that Yeah, that seems pretty low. That's maybe not indie status, but pretty darn close. So that's $5 million each to Dustin Hoffman right. and Robert Downey Jr. He had a million left to make the movie. Right. It did pretty well considering that it had that l- low of a budget. It made 31 million domestically Ooh. and almost 50 million worldwide. So, right. big win, almost a 5x on their initial investment. And so, a couple of fans, that's for Yeah, sure. yeah. And we've talked to other people, they like this movie. So, I think big win, big win. Got a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, Rotten Tomato. Critics liked it at 87%, so all, you know, a high B there, and audiences followed suit with 85%. It is just under two hours at one hour 54 minutes and it's rated r it's labeled as an adventure comedy drama i guess i don't know if i'd say adventure was that just the road trip portion i guess but (laughs) yeah i don't know there's much adventuring going on and not a ton of drama i guess a little bit it's not like a full comedy but even though it's i guess i wonder why it's rated r i guess some f-bombs because i would say you could almost you could easily watch this with tweens i think 
Oh, absolutely. Seem pretty tame. I think yeah. this is a great family movie, other than, you know, maybe no one under 13, maybe, depending no. on your own. They've already heard it. It's fine. <laughs> it won the best comedy in the AARP Movies oh, for Grownups right Awards. Yeah. So, but it also won for best narrative at the Tribeca Film Festival. So, See, you know, it's, it's got a some, broad appeal. Yeah. It's got some good cred there. That's great. We watched it on HBO Max. So, if you have a subscription, you can watch it for free right now. And I guess that's it for this movie. And that wraps up our month of John Favreau movies. And next month, we're going to be talking about some sports movies that we like. Kicking it off with a boxing movie with a little bit of a tie-in with Chef because John was in a boxing movie about Rocky Marciano, I believe. So we're going to be watching next week The Hammer starring Adam Carolla. Hammer, hammer. That will be our our theme for next next month so if you want to call mike and tell him about was it grumman <laughs> yes yeah, grumman truck bodies is that company still in business yeah so 971-245-4148 is where you can leave that message for that information or you can email him at mike at dodgemediaproductions.com i look forward to hearing from a representative from the grumman corporation yeah and i would love to take this time to thank all of our listeners out there i looked at some stats and we've got some people from all across the United States and in some other countries. And I just want to thank you all because I thought for sure my, let's see, superfan RJ, superfan Lee, superfan Stacy, and my mother were the only ones that listened to this podcast. So I really appreciate. I would like to say in particular, <laughs> Danke to our German listeners. Yes, we have quite a few of you in Germany. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to our little podcast and enjoying us talking about the movies. And we'll see you next week. But never forget dodges never stop and neither do the movies thanks for listening to dodge movie podcast with christy and mike dodge of dodge media productions to find out more about this podcast and what we do go to dodgemediaproductions.com subscribe share leave a comment and tell us what we should watch next dodges never stop and neither do the movies 